Hello, everybody, and welcome back to an all-new episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. It is an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. How is everybody doing out there? Go on, I'm listening. I promise, baby, I'm paying attention. Come on, no, I was just looking at emails. I was listening. I promise I wasn't on TikTok. Come on, don't be like that. Babe, 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 babe. Anyway, so um, this week, a lot of things happened since the last episode. The last episode, if, uh, you know, I almost feel bad for people who uh, their very first episode was last week's episode because it was quite loose, uh, to put it very lightly. Um, Yeah, last week I turned about six days ago, but turned 33. And um, yeah, I, you know, I feel good about it. I think I was really afraid of getting another year older, especially once you cross 30, you're like, oh boy. Um, but I don't know. Something I, I think something I said in last week's episode about that tr- that double three, that three three, just it's a good symbol. It feels good. It resonates. It's you know, it's uh, symmetrical and together it makes six, which is an even number. It's very strong. So anyway, I like it and uh, it's a good number, and I'm going to stick by it. But last week's episode was super loosey-goosey-juicy, so I'm going to try and stick to a bit more of a regimen on this one. But the good news is, for those uh, just checking this show out, there are a lot of things to talk about this week. Uh, One big thing I do want to say at the top, and again, if I remember, at the end of the episode, is that next week we have a really great guest. Um, I cannot believe, actually, that I... um, you see what this person's Instagram was again. Sorry. <clears throat> I can't believe that I got this person to uh, agree to the show because I don't know. It's just one of those wonderful things where you kind of assume that because somebody has such an enormous following that they don't, they don't or they won't pay attention to your... Um, messages they won't they they won't be interested in reaching out or being in touch with your uh page in some way but uh you know i was pleasantly um wrong i was happily wrong about that assumption um so the channel her name is marwa i, I hope i'm saying this right we will find out next week kamicha or kemicha kamicha marwa kemicha uh, her channel is miss english teacher uh, and it's a pretty crazy channel. She's uh, a content creator that focuses on teaching um, people who are learning English the right words for, you know, just everyday things that you need. You know, some like a German person might call gloves hand shoes when they say English. If they're not speaking English very well, they might, you know, say, can I borrow your hand shoes? But, you know, you learn to say gloves or expressions like the floor is slippery, things like that. So uh, she has a very, very popular channel. I mean, on Instagram alone, I haven't really checked out the other platforms yet, but two and a half million followers, which is just wild, Um, but a very, very lovely, kind person to speak to. Very sweet. Uh, She's funny. Um, Her YouTube is Miss English Tea. And she does like also English lesson deals and things like that. So Miss English Teacher will be, if you know her content, she will be on the show next week. That should be a really fun chat. Uh, and I'm excited to get to know her. So we can look forward to that. Mm. And um, a couple of weeks ago, let me see how long ago that was. A couple of weeks ago, we had on the show, Chris the Sis uh, from... Uh, yeah, from November 9th is when that episode dropped. So the the one before the birthday episode, we had Chris the Sis. Um, yeah, I mean, Chris is great and very funny, and I enjoyed that conversation very much. Uh, I If she is listening to this, which I doubt she is, I'm going to go ahead and just, uh, just mock her a little bit, because Chris, uh, <laughs> uh, we talked about doing the show, and I asked her, you know, very casually up front, 
There's like a thing with doing interviews, right? Like I'm a smaller channel. And um, when I do a podcast with another content creator, I find it to be, I mean, just like borderline sort of not, maybe not respect, maybe, maybe respectful is the wrong word because I don't think it has anything to do with lack of respect necessarily, but I feel like it's a courtesy, like a common courtesy to, you know, share that interview to, to your audience um, when you're both doing the same thing. Like I get, if I was like a local news station or a major media outlet and I wanted to interview someone like her uh, based on her skills and like to tell you know, to tell her story through our platform, and we have a big platform, it wouldn't really matter if she shared anything about it at all, um, because we would have established like our own advertisers and sponsors and would have our own uh, reach that, you know, it's, it's different when you're also kind of working your own career from the bottom and like building your own stuff. So Chris agreed to uh, share I made a few clips. Everything was pre-approved. Uh, you know, interview was approved. All the clips were pre-approved. And I sent everything to Chris to um, ask her, does she like this? Should I change anything? Does she want access to the footage to cut it herself? She, has, she can do whatever she wants. Uh, she liked everything. She liked what I chose. We made an agreement to post something on Instagram at a certain time. Uh, eventually, that did go through. But her main audience, the thing is, on Instagram, she has about 10K, which I think we talked about on the show. Was, you know, it's surprising because on TikTok, she has you know, over a million. And I, I, for me, it was more important that, of course, she share something about what just a clip or like, you know, just a little something on her, to her fans there about the episode. She said she would. She had no problem doing that. Still has yet to do this. Um, her excuse is pretty good, though. She's, you know, she's hard to be in touch with. She's hard to stay. Um, she's not consistent with her communication, but, you know, that's not really like some people are just like that. It's not necessarily just her, but um, she was moving from one house to another and it was it sounded very exhausting and tiring. So it's not like I'm really sitting here like pissed or holding a grudge or something but i will give her a little bit of a hard time because uh come on now chris come on now just do it you said you was gonna do it just do it or just tell me you're not gonna do it but the thing is i love you you're funny i really enjoyed our chat and if it doesn't happen it's fine i will still i will still watch your clips because you're super funny okay now i got it out of the way got my little crybaby complaint out of the way and now i can move on to the good stuff so yeah, Chris the Sis, great interview two weeks ago. Next week, Miss English Teacher. Um, so there's some updates with uh, some pretty cool things uh, going on uh, career-wise. This week, so last week after the birthday into basically today, um, my main focus, all of my free time, uh, all of my time actually has been put into um, finally applying my college degree, which feels great, by the way. When you get a degree in film, I kind of convinced myself that, you know, doing music for this other TV show was applying my degree, but it wasn't really. It wasn't like I got a degree in composition or a degree in music and then like used my degree in music for something else. My degree is in film. So, you know, it's still like connected, but I was, I was stretching it. But now, you know, I took classes and read books on writing screenplays and now for the first time ever which is crazy i'm literally doing the thing which is a pay it's a paid thing to do and that's such a cool feeling and i have so much more respect i always had a lot of respect for the writers that i um, have the pleasure of knowing but i have somehow even more respect because continuing like writing out a story even if it's just a few pages um, you know, it really uses so many different muscles in the brain to imagine yourself in the position, in the story, to imagine yourself alongside these people to make sure that things are good for an audience, that are good for, that are good visually, uh, to make sure that everything kind of falls into a category where everyone's happy and uh, that you're happy and that the story makes sense and all these things kind of have to come together. And the thing is, we're writing a comedy. Uh, for those who don't know, I, can, I can't say a million things about it, but um, basically, um, there's been, you know, we wrote 
kind of a pitch um, based on a show, based on me and my life and my videos, and um, submitted that to a production company that is um, known for some very cool, very successful things here in Germany. And they accepted it, which which just means it, it means the production company. So the production company is is the middleman between the creators of the show and a streamer or a network that will distribute and put their name and put their money into their marketing and so on. So production company is sort of like an agent that will take on the product and use their professional you know, know-how and their influence to go to different streamers and help the creators guide and shift the content in, into a direction that might flatter the different, you know, dist distributors in, in slightly different ways and things like that. Um, so it got to that stage, which is just a miracle. And, it, it, you know, it, it means that the last few days since they took it on, um, you know, we had a meeting with uh, our the producer that, you know, wanted to take it on. There's different producers at this agency, and the one producer who uh, really believes in it wanted to take it on. Um, he's a wonderful guy, and we've been working with him. We had a few meetings going basically over the whole thing. What's the tone? You know, how many episodes? How do you want to, you know, what's the core? What's the message? What's the heart of everything? And it was so great, so insightful to sit with him and to sit with, uh, you know, two really professional actual screenwriters and like learn from them like i felt it was also so humbling to learn and, and absorb like the lingo and to feel also when it was when i felt passionate about something that i felt listened to and um felt you know it, it was also a good exercise in accepting you know you have to be good at accepting criticism and for me especially in that position i know that i'm not a professional screenwriter. I'm just, I mean, it's not even like, duh, you know, I'm a musician, I'm an entertainer. So for me, it's like being in that position, there, there's no ego. Like, I'm just so happy to be there. And I will tr definitely always try my best. But I think it's so important to listen and to be uh, willing to um, understand and, and to, to want things to be the best they can be. That was like my main motto for that, for all those meetings was just, um, you know, try your best. And if they want to change everything, it's cool as long as it makes it better. And that was so educational for me and so um, exciting to, to like absorb all this stuff. So we had these meetings and we uh, broke down the whole core. Of course, it's going to be a comedy. It's, you know, sort of based on like the videos I'm making and my experiences as, as an immigrant in Germany. And uh, so now we went to a stage where what I was basically trying to get to was the last couple of days, um, really writing, like really writing, writing, you know, breaking down everything, characters, you know, you know, splitting up, like actually writing scenes, like writing three page scenes and so on. Um, and then talking about it and, and fixing it and editing and rewriting. And um, it's very exciting. It's very cool. It's a lot of work. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a stressful time. Um, because it's so important that I, I, I know and I do give it all of my attention. Uh, at the same time, I have this live show coming up in January, and I'm petrified that if this stage doesn't wrap relatively soon, that I'm not going to be ready. But I also have to relax. I have to remember that I have a good structure like flowing for this, and I have to just buckle down, try and finish it out, give it some run-throughs, time it, and just do the work. You know, just really, I just have to do the work. Um, the show is booked out. It's ready to go. They're going to be happy to see me. I just have to try my best. Um, so that's a really cool update about that. Um, and I'm going to have a meeting after this is recorded. I'm going to have a meeting with um, the original American producer who first came to me about potentially doing something for TV back in spring. Um, he and I are working on maybe doing something completely different from a television show right now. And that might lead also to a, a third project or a third kind of outlet for entertainment that would be very cool to, to be alongside any of these things. If it was, um, you know, my own show or, you know, continuing to do my video um, partnerships with different companies and things like that. So Things are definitely busy, and I'm always very scared that everything is going to collapse just about any any moment. Um, like, for example, right now on my Instagram, my audience growth has slowed, which is normal. 
everything comes and goes in waves. There's, there's a huge burst, you get soaked, sucked into an algorithm, and everyone loves, so you hit the, as the Germans would say, you hit the zeitgeist at some moment, something sticks, something pops off, and you just like flow with it, and then everything, everything comes, comes huge, you know, all at once. And then it slows down again, and I'm just in a, I'm in a slow down part, and I really, it scares me because it's not like anything's really changing, it's just, you know, significantly slowed um, enough for me to feel it and to see it in my, in my insights. And it also applies to me thinking that like, well, if that happens, is everything that I'm working on just going to fall away? Is no one going to care anymore if it's not consistent? But I don't know any of that. And I don't think it, I don't think that's the case. So I just have to kind of buckle down. I'm still making, you know, almost something fresh, like seven days a week. And I think that's the most important thing is that I'm just consistent and I just keep going with it. And even though it's scary and it's weird and it's fickle and fragile that, you know, it's leading to these great things and most likely next year will be a pretty amazing year, even if only one of these things happens. So let's see. But yes, the show um, production company wants it, has it right now currently. Um, we haven't signed any contracts, but we will soon. And then what, what they'll do is we will take these things that we are writing now, compile them into a nice, pretty little package, and then take them to the production company. We'll take them to different uh, streaming outlets, and we will see if anyone would be interested. And um, yeah, I can't really say much more than that, because there's actions and things that we have sort of in mind, possible plan Bs. If, if this doesn't happen, maybe this. If this doesn't happen, maybe that which I just can't talk about yet, but um, very exciting. And uh, if something ever happens with that, it's pretty much a dream come true, you know? And uh, I, I would, you know, it's just like a miracle. Uh, so let's, 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 hope, let's hope for the best uh, for that. But um, enough of me updating you on my work, because that's so boring. Let's talk a little bit about my fun trip to Frankfurt, Germany from this previous weekend. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy. So let me tell you something. My friend Giovanni, a very handsome, talented young man who is a film composer and um, techno house <laughs> electronic music DJ guy uh, here in Munich, he is, he, well, he has a duo. Uh, it's him and like a 60-something-year-old guy. It's funny. Giovanni's like 25, 26. And his partner, Dita, is I think like 63, something like that, 64, 65. I'm not sure. And uh, it's a funny duo. The way that their duo started, which their duo is techno. It's really heavy, intense, classic, underground German, blackout light club scene techno. <laughs> That's what they do. Uh, that's what his passion project is. And uh, I met Giovanni through working on a television project, and we became good friends. He's a wonderful guy. And um, he, around the same time that my uh, social media started getting popular, he also sort of thought of this great niche. Like, he really wanted to grow his audience. He was really trying a lot of different things, really getting obsessed with it uh, in a good way. Like, he just really wanted to find, like, what's going to work? What's going to work? I want to get my music growing. And eventually he found this great, great idea. So he was making this music pretty much on his own, you know, running ideas past his uh, studio mentor, a guy who shares his studio but works in a different room, uh, this guy Dita. So they, you know, they, they know each other, they kind of work side by side, but it's different styles and, you know, they, it's not like they sit side by side at the table or something. They work in, you know, like two, like two offices in the same building, kind of. Uh, but they're friends. And um, Giovanni thought of a great, video concept that really worked well. It went very viral. And basically the the gimmick, if you want to put it that way, is essentially you, you know, you're watching um you're you're kind of watching this video where the camera is creeping around a corner, spying on Dita, the the older guy, at um the at the at the soundboard with the monitors like you would see in like a recording studio. And you you hear this crazy wild techno synth beat just building this like pulsating crazy you know ear shredding techno music and the gimmick is sort of like can you believe my 65 year old studio partner is still dropping fire beats like this 
So, you know, that's kind of the, the, the hook of it is like, oh, wow, Dita is like this older guy and he has like a blanket over his lap and a cup of tea, but he's playing, you know, hard music like this. And uh, the video, you know, the joke of this, the gimmick of this just blew up um, organically and very quickly. It re- I mean, it was really like, same with me. It was just, uh, they, he found the right audience at the right time, started posting very consistently and his audience grew tremendously. I mean, he went from, you know, I don't know how a few hundred followers or maybe a thousand followers to, I think now they're like over 150K or something in a few months. And uh, his friend is a manager, previously uh, a rap artist and works directly for Sony and Universal and has a lot of huge artists, has his own company, his own agency, his own label. That was also kind of a nice coincidence for him. And they started working together. And so his manager um, picked him up for his agency and, you know, got him into meetings with Sony and they started boosting his tracks. And, you know, pretty soon he had a track with over a million streams. All of this is basically just to say, you know, Giovanni's a good friend and they, they've, they've started this duet with the, with the older guy and their audience blew up and they all of a sudden had all these streams and all these fans. And it's an interesting uh, way to look at how people build audiences these days because I'm still so it still feels like so new to me even though I consider myself someone who's familiar and savvy enough with the internet but you know nowadays you can you can really have an audience before you've performed you know you have to take in consideration like all through this time all the stuff I've described they've never played a live show they've only released videos and released songs on Spotify that's crazy you know, I, my whole path, like up until this comedy thing was the same as what most people consider to be like the standard path, which is like, you have some songs, you have an album, whatever, you play shows, you tour around, you play small cafes and restaurants and open mics, and then you get into vi- clubs, and then you get into bigger venues, you do a support tour with another band. It's sort of this like old school way of thinking about it. You don't have to, no one has to do that anymore. There is no right or wrong way to do it anymore. It's really like, what do you call it? Like um, the Wild West again, in a sense. I mean, there's just no path to say like, this is, this is what you do. The only thing that's consistent uh, probably in any sort of path taken is that social media is how you have to spread your message. And it, you'd have to basically find a way for audiences to interact or be interested in what you're doing. Giovanni found the right thing. His audience grew and he had an audience before he had ever played a show. So an invitation comes around, comes, comes my way from Giovanni, uh, uh, you know, maybe a couple of weeks before my birthday. And he says, hey, man, me and Dita are playing our very first show at a 1,500-person venue, so like a huge hall in Frankfurt as part of this big, you know, like three-act, all-night-long techno fest. Whoa. Um, that's quite the first gig. You know, uh, maybe not the world's best timing because of the, what was going to happen on the next day in terms of my schedule. I'll get into that. It ended up being a funny story, but we made it work. So I said, I'm going to go. So now you have all the backstory. So now they have this, this duo, they have their manager, they booked this big show, uh, and they're going to go, they're going to play. And, um, it's their first show. <laughs> and I, go by train on Frankfurt. Uh, God, I go to uh, take a train to Frankfurt on Friday of last week and um, worked a bit on this TV show stuff on the train. I felt very professional and I got noticed on the train by some British people. They were very nice and someone asked for a selfie and it was really like, oh, sure, no problem. And then, you know, got to Frankfurt and realized that I hadn't been to a different city in a very long time. I haven't traveled that much in a while. And it's funny that Munich is so safe and so villagey. And I hate to put it this—I hate to put it this way—but it's—it can be very boring. And I remember being there and feeling like the main station area at Frankfurt was kind of sketchy, kind of sketchy, and a little freaky deaky. I mean, it's just kind of grimy, and it didn't help that it had just rained, so all the streets just seemed like muddy and slimy. And, you know, I don't know. I just felt kind of icky there. And, like, immediately walking out of the door was, like, stopped 
for money and I felt kind of like assaulted. I wasn't actually, but I just felt like, oh, I just got here. Like, I just, I don't even know where to go yet. Like, I don't know which direction to take. So if I walk away from you the wrong way, I may have to turn around and pass you again. All that stuff was running through my mind. I was like, sorry, no, no, sorry, 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 sorry. And then I hopped the street and then I saw like junkies. And then I realized like, oh, right, Frankfurt has skyscrapers. You don't see that in Munich. Munich has a law. They can't, the buildings can't be taller than this church, this one church. That's true. The buildings can't be taller, except for like in the out, 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 outskirts of the city, like 45 minutes away from center, basically on the Audubon. Like nothing can be taller than this one particular church, which is not tall, mind you. So it feels very villagey and spread out, feels very, very, very spread out. Um, so, you know, I like when I got off of the train and really got past all this sort of like chaos and then stood there for a second, was able to actually look up and appreciate the environment, uh, th that's when I realized like, oh, of course, like some cities in Germany can in fact be cities or feel like cities, which is a stupid thing to say because of course they can. Hamburg feels like a city. Berlin feels like a city. Um, clearly Frankfurt feels like a city and Cologne also feels like a city. I don't know why Munich doesn't often feel like a city. Um, again, maybe it's going to come back to the, the building height thing. However, when you stand in the center, like near the Marine, the Marine Platz or Zillingator area, like the main shopping areas, um, yeah, the buildings aren't so tall, but there's still all these shops and restaurants and everything. And you kind of, that's where you, you know, on a busy Saturday or whatever, like that's where you get the feeling like, oh, of course, I'm in a city. It's the city now. Um, and, you know, living where I live now, as opposed to where I was living before I moved, that was definitely, um, you know, I would call that city. But, you know, anyway... Not the point. Not the point. The point is uh, Frankfurt just kind of, I, I realized in that moment uh, that I just hadn't really experienced that place before and um, grungy. Let's just put it that way. Gangly grungy. Um, <laughs> I had a very nice time there. I'm going to get into all that. Um, but definitely, you know, the, I think it didn't help that it had been raining for days. It was cloudy and rainy and sludgy and humid and cold. So cold. So cold. And getting off that train, getting into this place and being sort of reminded like, oh, skyscrapers. Oh, people asking for money. Oh, someone like stepping in onto like cigarette vomit and there's like dogs everywhere. It just felt and there's rain, like rainy streets and sludge. And I didn't know where to go. Had no, I was kind of lost and confused and um, anyway, the point was I got off in the city, took, you know, walked up like a block away from um, the station exit where I was kind of caught for a minute and uh, looked for a nearby scooter. And that's when I saw the, uh, finally, I, I wrote uh, my friend Giovanni's manager. Uh, so Giovanni's manager is a young guy, um, has his own label and all these artists and stuff. And he picked up Giovanni, like I said before, and I contacted him. I have... I didn't want to bother Giovanni and say, like, where are you? What's the address? Because, you know, if it, I know how I am on the day of a performance. And just going off my own experience, I can be very, I don't know. I don't want to say, like, high strung. But, you know, nerves are high. Like, the anxiety is high. And, I'm, you know, everything is, like, running on full steam. Everything's very... Uh, you know, easily stressed out. Don't want to. Don't want to think about too many other things. And uh, just going off that, I didn't want to. I don't know. I, I'm sure I wouldn't have annoyed him, but I didn't want to write him. So I wrote the manager and was like, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm here in town. Where where are you guys? Um, you know, or where you know I can. If you're out in the, in town somewhere, I can come to you because he had my hotel room key. He you know very kindly booked the hotel room uh, for me um, as a gift, which was very kind he really did not have to do that at all um but he said uh they're actually at the hotel and he has the key with him just to meet him in the lobby so i said cool and i i looked up the hotel got the address in google maps and one thing i realized which was interesting like usually or how i'm used to doing it uh you know in the old days or whatever was when i would play a concert in a new town i would make sure that the hotel is either very close to the venue or very close to the train station if you're taking the train 
uh, if you're driving into the city, I guess you, you kind of want to aim that as closer to the venue. You just want to make things like as convenient as possible. But there was a funny thing about this town is it spread out in such a way that everything felt very far from everything else. Like I, there I was in the center kind of next to this river. And then I looked up the hotel and with a scooter, which, you know, it isn't like the longest distance ever, but on a scooter, it was 25 minutes like down river. And I thought that's okay. So probably this, this must be where the, where the venue is as well, like pretty close to this area. But no, I go, I go to that part of town uh, and it's really just one of those. And I think every, probably every city has a section of, you know, like an area like this. I know Munich has areas like this. I've seen it in a lot of German cities, particularly. But, you know, there's just like this ugly sort of like business traveler area of town. There's just this, there's just this like stretch of land where everybody is together. Oh, not everybody, but like every building that's together there is just a gray, cold, you know, <laughs> characterless sort of just like blah thing that was just put there. So, people, so businessmen who come in for conferences can come in, have a hotel room and leave. And it felt very much like that. The, the hotel area, and it's like, that's so interesting to me that cities design areas like this. Like why build such an unappealing or so un, like unexciting or un, uninteresting stretch of town to be so um, unwelcoming? I don't know. It's weird. So, but anyway, I got to the hotel and it was like, you know, everything was this big gray, cold building. And I go in, I meet the manager, John. He's really nice. He uh, gives me the room. I drop my stuff off in my room, pee, wash my hands, wash my face a bit. And then I go and I finally, you know, I get, then I get to meet up with Giovanni. And that's when the day kind of really started. It was late in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, this is where it starts to, I, I, my age really started to hit me. Uh, again, 33, not old, but I've been in a mental state since 2020, early 2020, uh, for obvious reasons. Like, yeah, crossing 30, but also, you know, pandemic and, and post-pandemic mentality. Also, uh, I think it's a combination of things like always working from home, um, hanging out at home after work is done. So being home pretty much all day and not really needing to go too too many places outside of my you know close neighborhood area for for things like groceries or food or something um, unless there's like an event but it's not like I have an event every week or you know like someone's birthday or something so it's like a combination of yeah getting older uh working and sort of just relaxing at home regularly and being used to being more reclusive and more at home because of the pandemic and because of those factors put together, I realized on this trip to go to Frankfurt and see this concert, how <laughs> how used to going to bed uh, around like latest 11 p.m. I'm used to. It is so funny to me when I think about this event. Um, you know, I met with Giovanni around like, I don't know, four or something. And then... They we hung out a bit in his room and he had a documentary crew, some students from the film school, uh, you know, recording him audio and his partner and had a camera going and caught everybody behind the scenes and stuff the whole day. And I was like, wow, this is nuts. Like what a whole thing to like book for your first show. And they had hired an entire like digital uh, graphics team to to show up and, you know, build this screen of... Hol they've, they've been planning this, like, crazy, deep, holographic, 3D, like, spectacle to, to go on the entire time during the show, which is also wild, like, the craziest visuals. And all of that stuff, and prepping and planning, and a huge team, like, 20-people team, two huge buses full of people, plus he had, like, 100 people on his guest list as just like friends who came to party and hang out and be with them and all this stuff going on. And I remember asking him like, so when, when are we going to sound check at the venue? Like, when do you have to go there to check things out? And he was like, oh, we go there around 530. I was like, cool, let's go. Went with them, two big double, like double long buses to the, 
to the venue and <laughs> we get there and um we you know he they do the 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 light check it's a huge venue they do the light check for a long time i meet some of the people like some of the friends and stuff of the people who were there um but nothing's open right so you know i i'm i had lunch around like 12 30 on this train now it's four getting it now it's 5 30 getting into six o'clock i'm pretty hungry and the bar isn't open nothing's open there's no backstage open nothing so it's just like a very like a straight up very <laughs> barren cold building and uh it gets to you know something like 9 30 you know so we've been there like four hours and you know you you, you, you know you, you your boy's a big boy your boy's a big boy. Your boy likes to eat. The boy's a big boy. The boy's got to be, he's got to get his fuel. He's got to be, he's, you know, it's like a, it's, it's, you know, it's like any other giant machine out there. You got to oil, you got to oil the, 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 like where the bolts and the screws meet together, the attachments, the, the mounts, the, sh the, the shoulder cables, you've got the, you've got, you know, you've got the, the pipes, you've got, you've got all the machinery in this giant, like transformer-esque machine. You know, your boy, he's, he's, a, he's a tall boy. He's a big boy. He ain't a skinny boy. You know, so he's not a small skinny boy. You know, he's not Christian Bale from The Machinist. He's Christian Bale from Vice. Okay? He's a over six foot, definitely over 200 pound big boy. You can't go from noon to nine o'clock at night, minimum, without a little snack. Some chips. Some crackers. A piece of gum. A hug. Not even a hug, you know? That's the thing. And here's the funny thing. This venue, uh, very far away from the hotel. This is what I was trying to get to earlier. Locations didn't make any sense. Yeah, you get to the train station, dead center, of course. Traveling almost half an hour, one direction for the hotel. Another almost half an hour by car. In a totally different direction, opposite of all of those things, of the other things. So it was like a triangle, the triangle of hunger. You've heard of the movie Triangle of Sadness? This was the triangle of hunger. And I was there as a, as a special guest. I was there as a friend, a supportive friend. I was in the pleasured and honorable, flattering position of being in a nice, fun, interesting new place to support a friend in his... Um, you know, in his ventures, in his in his hopes and dreams, if you will. Uh, I don't get a lot of opportunities to do that, and uh, I'm always very excited when I get to do that. Um, I have a lot of very wonderful supportive friends that are, you know, consistently there for me in, in things like this. You know, particularly, for example, like our friend Moritz from the show. Uh, you know, he was recently, uh, you know, he wrote this uh, re this revival of a very popular German television show. And uh, when there was the opportunity to go watch the, you know, pre-screening of this uh, show in a cinema with all these fans and cast and crew, uh, I, you know, Evie and I, we leapt at the opportunity to go show some support and be there for that because it's special. It's nice to be able to do that. So here I am for Giovanni. And uh, I don't want to complain. I don't want to be a crybaby. I don't want to be there in this special place. And I don't want to make a scene. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't. I, there was a couple of people there who, you know, were like, you know, Giovanni's girlfriend and this other person I was talking to, you know, privately getting to know each other, chit-chatting. They'd be like, you know, I could, use a, I could use a beer, you know? And I was like, yeah, I could definitely use a beer. Um, all of this, by the way, was supposed to rope back into the fact that I was feeling old because this whole event didn't even start until midnight. And Giovanni ended up not even starting until 2 a.m. 2 a.m. 2 2 2 2 2 2 2 2 2 a.m. He didn't even start the concert till 2 a.m. I'm normally in bed by 11. The only time that I see 2 a.m. is if I got to pee or if somebody wakes up and wakes me up because they're up. Uh -huh. 2, 2 a.m. 
never seen it before. Now since my college days, and man, I was in a haze, cause I was always getting drunk. Thank you. Thank you. I just had lunch. I took a break and took lunch, so now I've got my, <laughs> have my lunch energy back. Um, yeah, so, anyway. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah, long day at the, at the venue, uh, but I didn't want to complain, so I didn't say anything, you know? And then now finally, it's like just about 10 o'clock. Uh, sound check's over. Mind you, I've not been in a venue in a long time that's just bone dry, empty of staff uh, as late in the evening as 10 at night. I mean, my God. And the hunger thing, you know, I, I was, I, I'm so scatterbrained, I forgot to say, this building is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there is nothing around. It's just, you know, you, you, I walked out to the street to get a look, to get a look at the neighborhood for myself because I thought, well, if I see a gas station or some sort of corner store or like a little, I don't know, a quick stop or something, I'm going to pop over. I'm going to get like a couple of cases of beer, going to bring it back here for the people I've met, you know, be a nice guy. I'm going to get a bunch of snacks, like whatever. I'm here. I'm here to party. My whole attention, like I've gone there to party. I've gone there to be a nice guy. I brought, you know, like if people needed things and I had something, I was just giving things away. Like I just wanted to be helpful and fun. I didn't have any personal responsibilities there. And uh, so, you know, it's rare to be in that position. And uh, I I went out to look for some sort of opportunity and there was nothing. It was just like, you know, when you're, you're, you're in an area of town and you walk around and you look and all of a sudden you expect either one, like a very stereotypical uh, like hay bale. I wanted to say a hail bay. Like, you know, like in the Westerns, you see like there's just nothing. There's just like, like one man in a desert. just like, wah, wah, wah. and then like this hay bale just like bounces across. I expected either that to happen, something like that, or to be kidnapped and tortured. To be put into the trunk of a car and never seen again. To have my phone snapped over someone's kneecap while put it, having a bag put over my face. It felt exactly like that would happen. Um, I've been listening to a lot of crime podcasts and re-watching Mindhunter, so my brain does tend to go there. But, yeah, um, that's exactly the neighborhood. So there was nothing. You know, there was like a, a, a vacant office building with trash bags and tarp dangling off the shattered windows you're like okay that's horrifying um at one point we heard a single firework pop off somewhere in the distance did i think it was a gun absolutely did i almost shit myself bet your bottom dollar did i jump and squeal (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah did people ask me why and am I okay? And did I realize it was just a firework? Yes, they did. Did I, did I tell them about coming from New Orleans where I heard many, 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 many gunshots? Well, I sure did. Uh, but I did not try to play it cool because you just can't recover from a... Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry, guys. Is that a firework? Yeah, it was a firework, right? Uh, anyway, so <laughs> I wasn't the only one that jumped, but I... I was significant in my jump. Uh, yeah, I was super hungry. So 10, 10 o'clock. Uh, then finally, sound check's over. Giovanni comes up, and he just sees it in my face, man. Like, I'm gaunt. I'm pale. I'm, I'm ready for something. Like, if I don't get something in me, I'm going to be asleep by 11. How am I supposed to see a concert at 2 a.m.? By the way, hitting, hitting it home here, techno, you know, DJ techno club. So, industrial area. Everyone in black, black lace, black jackets, fingerless gloves, Doc Martens. Definitely not my scene, but it's fun to be there. It's fun to be part of something different. Uh, We go back to the hotel, right? So we get into cars. We go back to the hotel. We get food. Um, I'm having dinner at like 1030 at night. My God, I haven't had. (laughs) I mean, I haven't had dinner at 1030 at night. Uh, I don't know, ever. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, what is this, Spain? What is this, Spain? No, I had, it was a very late dinner. Of course, I got to the hotel restaurant and you know, the first thing I saw was like burger, fries, 
didn't even try to put on a front of like, well, I'm going to do something classy here because I'm in Europe and I'm here with, you know, skinny, sexy people and they're going to do their thing. It's like, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat a burger and fries. And I slammed it, dude. I destroyed that burger and fries. What's funny is the manager, uh, Giovanni sat next to me and across from me was the manager and um, about three seats down from me, uh, some guy I didn't know, someone on the guest list, some friend of the team, uh, also ordered the burger and fries. And um, before my food came, I was looking at him eating his and I noticed that he was eating his burger uh, with a knife and fork and also eating his fries with a knife and fork. And that just quintessentially feels wrong for me. That feels wrong to my core. It feels pompous it feels wasteful it feels slow um i can obviously see the positives as well i can see that this you know keeps your hands from getting greasy keeps your hands from getting messy at all keeps the uh salt you know and and the oils and everything on the fries and you know i get it it's cleaner and I remember leaning over to the manager and I was like, you know what's funny about seeing that guy eat that burger with a fork and knife? About three days ago before I came here, I made a video on my Instagram reel literally making fun of that. Literally making fun of the guys who eat their, or the people who eat their burgers with a knife and fork. And he was like, yeah. And he kind of chuckled and he was like, it's just classier. Like he was so on the side of the guy. He was like, yeah, that's, I guess that's funny but it's classier. And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess so. This is not my audience. Uh, and then I kind of like shriveled back into my seat and then my food came. And of course I ate it with my hands cause I'm a red blooded American. Damn it. I eat that burger with my hands. Like it owed me money. I grappled that burger. Like it called my, <laughs> that's like, that's really itchy on the throat. I grabbed that burger with both hands like it called me bad names. I choked that burger out like it owed me money. And of course it got sloppy. And I remember looking at the manager and he looks at that sloppy, greasy, bloody, cheesy burger. And he sees what mess I've made of it. And he looks up at me and he goes, wow, man. (laughs) He had never seen anything like that. And then a group of young people came by to uh talk to talk over me to giovanni at the table for a few minutes i was so embarrassed about the mess i'd made with this burger that i left it on my plate and decided to just eat fries until they left and then they left and then i finished the burger and i was really embarrassed but it was delicious slammed it slammed two beers back boom and then thankfully that is when my friend johanna joined <laughs> thankfully she didn't have to witness uh, the true slime ball pig that that I am when I'm hungry. Uh, she uh, was visiting coincidentally um, my friend, our, our lovely friend Moritz's wife, Johanna, talented screenwriter, director. Uh, she just was a funny coincidence. She was in Darmstadt. She was visiting her grandparents. She knew I was going to be uh, in Frankfurt for a night. Um, this Darmstadt town, it's pretty close to Frankfurt. So she, you know, was visiting family. She caught a ride. She went to Frankfurt. She's like, I'll, I'll come too. I got her a free ticket. Uh, Giovanni, you know, offered a free ticket and um, she got a room in the same hotel as us. Pretty cool. And so I invited her down and uh, she joined after I finished eating. And I was kind of grateful that she didn't see that. Uh, and it was fun to spend time with her. You know, it's very hard to, with any friends, especially like, you know, you have friends and then you have your friends' partners and, you know, you always want to include them and try and, you know, if you like them, you want to try and make them your friend too and kind of make things equal. But it's always very difficult when people have families and people have busy lives and people are getting into, you know, people are in their 40s and mid 30s and it just, it's harder and harder and harder to do that sort of thing. And you really have to just try, like you have to really try extra hard. And um, it was just such a great opportunity to spend time with her. Um, and to, you know, get to talk to her one-on-one, which is just very rare, you know, at parties, you know, just not so often the case. Um, you know, usually one of them has to stay back, take care of the kids, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's just part of life. You know, I totally get that. And, uh, it was just a nice chance to, to laugh and to talk stories and to, you know, talk about Moritz a little bit in a very positive manner. Moritz, don't get shy. And it was very flattering and very sweet. And uh, we had a, a really fun time and we, it was so funny. We went to the, she met up with us and then we went to the hotel bar and boy, oh boy, was that just the wildest mess of a shit show. Like 
These, there was two people running the whole restaurant and bar. Two people. One woman in her 50s and one poor sap who's probably like 22. And he it's maybe his first job, he was so stressed, literally running around the venue, running to get things done. There, someone had vomited in the hallway in front of the bathroom. Ugh. And Johanna was pretty sure it was a woman because there was like a trail into the women's bathroom. So that's even like, you just don't see that very often. You always assume it's some British guy. <laughs> I mean, it's just the pattern they've designed. And um, boy, oh boy, uh, weird place. We ordered like one drink. It never came. It's like we were in that hotel bar for like 40 minutes. We had one drink. Uh, then we left, took the ho- took the cabs, finally around like 12.30, go to the venue, get to the venue. Then, you know, we sort of start partying. You know, we have like vodka Red Bulls and whatever. And it's just, you know, a good time. Lots of new people uh, for us both to kind of meet. And, you know, Johanna's a very independent person. You know, if, if I, you know, I, I, you know I, I got the sensation like, you know, I had c- kind of like, she, it wasn't like she invited herself necessarily. I was more like she asked if she was going to be intruding by joining because she'd like to join. And, I, and then I insisted that she come. I was like, that would be so much fun. So I felt this obligation having sort of insisted that um, I don't want to, you know, leave her alone with people she doesn't know. I'm very used to, you know, other friends maybe not wanting to be stuck in a room with people they don't know if I have to go to the bathroom or you know if I you know spontaneously want to go out for a cigarette or something at, at, a, at a, an event like this you know I, I uh, it was cool in the way that like I I felt very I felt this sort of fresh independence in her uh, in the sense that she was very confident in being on her own and that was kind of cool and, and, and you know I just don't uh, know a lot of people like that especially women it's very admirable and very it's very cool so that was nice to see as well um, so she had her own thing. She was talking to her own people. We would meet up and laugh around. Um, we, you know, went to the bar, got a drink, uh, started watching the show. Um, it was cool. And, uh, you know, techno is really not my thing. Uh, but it was nice to see Giovanni. Finally, the main act comes on, you know, they got the camera crew running around the stage and around the people, 1500 people, huge, huge venue, huge room. Uh, we got some earplugs from the production team which was so nice. We plugged our ears. We had free drinks from the backstage um, pretty much the whole night, except for we went to the bar to get one like vodka Red Bull, which is like the first. I had I had two vodka Red Bulls that night. I think that's the first ones I've had since I've lived in Europe. Like I've just, I never ordered that. So it was so funny. And yeah, they had played some, you know, loud uh, techno, basically. I can't even describe it. It's just techno. I, 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 Giovanni's very good at what he does. And they had a lot of fun and they really, they, the audience loved them. Like they cheered them when they walked on stage, they cheered for an encore. They begged for an encore when it was, when it was uh, all said and done. And it was just amazing to see that. And he, Giovanni's such a sweet guy. He's a very humble guy. He was, when I, I hugged him after the show and said, man, you know, that was unbelievable. You left such a great impression. You know, you killed it. And he was he really had this softness in his eyes. Like, really, you, you mean it? Like, you really mean that? And I was like, dude, I would never lie about that. Like you were, you were incredible and you can be so happy. And he uh, reconvened with his manager and his um, band partner, DJ partner, Dita and the other in the, this like side room on their own for a bit detoxed. And then we all hung out a little bit at the end. And I mean, before I knew it, it was like after 4am and I had to go home, man, I had to go home. The whole event was going to go until six and I'm almost, I'm kind of grateful that it seemed like a lot of the crowd left after Giovanni finished, even though I think there was one more act and all of the people that were there for him just wanted to hang out backstage. So it wasn't, it was no longer this sort of like general crowd, big party feeling. It was more like now we have our own separate party going on and it was very calm. Sofas, you know, the beer ran out. Uh, People were drinking like, I don't know, tea and apfelschorle and stuff. And it just... It didn't make sense to, I don't know, I, like, I was getting tired and it just felt like things were kind of wrapping up and I was grateful to find out that most, most people left around like five something anyway. Um, so me leaving at four uh, was a great opportunity for me. <laughs> and I had to go. I probably would have tried to tough it, out, tough it out a little longer, but I stayed because the next um, morning I had to be back here. I had to take a morning train to be back home because we promised some friends that we would host 
uh, our friend's baby shower. So like 30 people we don't know, basically, uh, at our house. <laughs> uh, and I had to help out and I promised I would. So that was my, um, that was the compromise. And, uh, you know, actually I felt really good the next day and, uh, was grateful to not really be, not really be hung over. Like I slept on the train, the train was on time, got home in a good mood. The people were very nice and, uh, yeah, it was a good time. So good weekend. Um, you know, I doubt, I doubt this will ever get around to Giovanni, but, um, I'm really impressed with you. Uh, you can be very proud and I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to go see your first show. And it's going to be incredible to see where you take things from here, man. Your first show is this huge 1,500-person hall at a big festival. People chanting your name, documentary team following you around. Like, it can only go up from here, dude. So congratulations to Giovanni. Uh, there are, if, you're into, if you're listening to this and you do like techno, uh, their artist's name is Schrott Hagen. Like S-C-H-R-O-T-T-H-A-G-E-N. Very hard name for me to see, for hard name for me to say, Schrothagen, but um, good guys, very nice guys, and uh, friendly, and uh, yeah, um, you know, Techno's, like I said, not my thing, but they did a good job at it, and I was very proud. Um, yeah, so that was that, and then, you know, Sunday was very calm, rainy, cold, um, kick-started, Mind Hunter back up, fired that bad boy back up, burned through that first season pretty quickly. It's just incredible. Um, and just some final things here as we wrap it all up. Um, this, let's see, I believe, yeah, this comes out on Thanksgiving Day. So with that in mind, everybody out there who celebrates it, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving however you uh, are going to do it. If that's with your friends, if that's with your family, if it's with both, even if it's just on your own, um, with colleagues, with people you didn't plan to be with, I hope it's wonderful and uh, safe and fulfilling. And um, there's a lot, a lot of things to be grateful for, um, I feel like, in these weird, chaotic, strange times. And um, I'm definitely, it's it's not beyond me how lucky and, 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 and grateful I am to be in the position that I'm in in terms of my personal life and my professional life where things seem to be going. Um, I have a lot of things to be thankful for. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody who uh, listens to this. If, you, if you're if you listening to this on the day that it comes out. Uh, otherwise, um, like I said, next week we're going to have an interview with uh, English teacher. What was her name? <sighs> Sorry. Marwa. Now the lunch carbs are catching up to me. Uh, Marwa Kemicha. Miss English teacher, Miss English teacher, M-I-S-S English teacher. She's going to be on uh, next week. So that's going to be a fun sort of end of November special. It'll be coming out the last day of November. Um, I also believe this is coming out the very same day as um, our dear friend and a previous guest, Vivi Violeta de Rio del Castillo. It is her birthday today. Happy birthday, Vivi. I love you with all my heart. She should be 37, I think. And also the birthday of um, a good friend, local uh, German film and television director, Katharina von Munchhof, Munchhofen. Very hard name, but Katharina, you know who you are. Happy birthday. Uh, oh, oh, but I've just done the wrong thing. I've said it before the actual day, but she's not going to hear this until it's out. So the curse stays with me. Um, if you live in Germany, you get that. And, uh, yeah. Okay. So happy birthday to those, those two wonderful ladies and happy Thanksgiving to everybody next week. Big guest and yeah, everyone have a wonderful, safe Thanksgiving weekend. Um, yeah. Shout out to my mom. She recently had, um, a painful knee injury and which, uh, unfortunately, um, uh, may, like unfortunately keeps her and my father from being able to visit this year as, as planned. Um, you know, accidents happen and we couldn't, no one could, could have predicted it. And uh, now she's going to need a lot of rest. So let's all just be grateful that, you know, it's not something worse and uh, we'll get that all rescheduled. And then we'll get that very precious um, Margie Prince podcast interview that we've all been hoping for soon. Uh, maybe we can get mom and dad on here. That'd be a, that'd be a fun little roundabout, wouldn't it? Um, but everyone take care, get some rest, uh, send some positive thoughts of healing and, 
uh, rest and all that stuff towards uh, my mom. And yeah, let me just double check. I think that was everything I wanted to talk about for this week. Yes, sir. Okay. I love you guys. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, as always, you know, rate, review, subscribe, share the show, send it to a friend who you think might enjoy it, might have a little fun listening in, um, who might enjoy the interviews or just episodes like this where I speak sort of off the cuff about things that are going on, about being a creative um, immigrant here in Germany. Uh, You guys mean everything to me. Uh, I've ordered the Sport socks and I will let you know when they are in. Going to get a fresh website link set up so you guys can get those ordered ASAP. And as a reminder, the January 13th live Jordan Prince live show at the Midla Club here in Munich is still sold out. And I don't think I'm going to add extra dates for this run. I'm going to do the show, feel things out, fix a few things, and then announce um, a small tour, most likely later in 2024. So guys, that's an hour. I love you. Have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. Saints are coming through And it's all over now Baby Blue Artsy Farsi Immigrants Ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider Produziert für M94.5